Hello and welcome to the Seeking Health Podcast. I'm Josiah. And I'm Jessica. We were missionaries for seven years. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> until, years. We, <laughs> until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. And I spent seven years getting a master's in theology. Can you believe it? Before that. And then yeah. a year and a half learning French so we could be missionaries. It's a big chunk of our lives. Pretty much all our lives. We're only 37 now, so... Anyways, right now... Huh. Respect your elder. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I am a Christian, but not an evangelical. And I'm an agnostic. And we are deconstructing... And reconstructing... Together. Listen to some of our key episodes, such as... Deconstructing Together. Domestic Abuse, I'm a Survivor. The Cult of ATI, Part 1 and 2. And Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. together. So, uh, in honor of Pride Month, um, I would like to come out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not really funny <laughs> that people true. are put in closet. No, it's not funny. Um, but on a serious note. Mm-hmm. Um, as serious as you can be with me. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I am coming out of the closet as far as saying I am affirming LGBTQ. And it does feel like kind of a big deal. It is an extremely big deal. Well, you're a theologian. for, And like you said, you just studied for seven years yeah. for your ma- towards your master's. Started your doctorate all in theology. Mm-hmm. It is a big deal. And it's a big deal. Um, I was planning on talking about this later, but it's kind of the issue yeah. for evangelicals. Like, that is abortion. Yes, but I would dare say it's more important than abortion. Wow. Although it might be tied, I don't know. But, I mean, we literally were going to a church that, a denomination that started based on not affirming LGBTQ. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Hmm. And I would say pretty much if any of the churches that we went to, if the denomination started affirming LGBTQ, they would have split. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, we were never in any church that would have affirmed it. No. I mean, they didn't even affirm women pastors. No. None of them. And it's kind of seen as, I think, well, this is how I used to see it, and I think a lot of people still do, is like, well, a lot of things can change. Like, sure, like, I can be open to a woman being a pastor. Maybe I could be open to reinterpreting certain scriptures differently. But, like, sin is sin, and, you know, homosexuality is definitely a sin. You know, that's kind of the one thing that's like, if you let that go, you're not a Christian anymore. Yeah. Or else you're a hyper-liberal Christian. Yeah. So... I kind of held off and held off and held off because I'm like, I need to be sure because it's a big step. Yeah. And the other reason I want to hold off is like maybe part of my evangelical background is like, I want to have all the answers. And then I, when I started researching it, it's like, this is a really big topic. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like the rest of the world since the like sixties and before has actually been researching human sexuality. And I'm just, you know, because I know enough about academics in other fields, it's like I'm scratching the surface and I'm like, this this deep. Like, and I don't even, I don't know when I'll get to the bottom of this. But at a certain point I realized I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm far more on that side. I don't have all the answers. 
but I'm not going to have all the answers and live in a world where it's implied that I'm against it because I'm a Christian. It's kind of implied that I'm yeah. against it. And the other thing is like I kept getting people that would reach out to me as I would just post regular deconstruction stuff and some stuff that was a little bit um, affirming, although I wasn't making a point of it. I've just been having so many people reaching out to me that are gay or are on the spectrum or are LGBTQ, a lot of them in the church um, and saying, I can't come out, I can't share my story, I haven't told my parents yet, I don't know how they'll react. Um, but like entrusting me, and I, every time I feel so honored by that people would trust me with that uh, and assume that I'm a safe person. It's very personal. It's very, very personal. Um, I mean, you don't hear, you don't go around hearing um, people in the church talking about their sexuality. Like, you don't hear, go <laughs> around hearing them talk about who they sleep with. And like, oh yeah, I sleep with women. Like, they don't talk about, you know, like, it's yeah. just, so for someone to come out, like, it, it's very personal. Mm -hmm. Like, it, why, <laughs> why did we put them in a closet? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Why, why? It seems like evangelicals have a problem with LGBTQ coming out of the closet, but they're the ones who put them, the in the who put them in the closet. If they weren't in the closet, there wouldn't be this big movement yeah. of trying to gain traction and be and be um, seen as normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like there wouldn't be that if we hadn't put them in the closet to start with. Yeah, because for a lot of cultures, I mean, it's often noticed or, or mentioned that in the First Nations culture, for example. They recognize, I believe it's four genders. There was male, female, and then two-spirited. Yeah, and I heard about I that. And I thought that else. is so, be so beautiful. And there's like a lot of cultures like yeah. that, that, that acknowledge that there's differences in gender. Or it's just more fluid. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, everything is a spectrum. So yeah. why, you know, like, okay, so look at male, man, like, because that's the most highly prized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gender and person in the church so like there's still a spectrum of masculinity yeah like there's the super macho guys and there's the more quiet mm -hmm. less outspoken guys like there's the ones that are super macho like i said and mm -hmm. then the ones that are super sensitive and they're all accepted yeah although lesser i think if you're I more so, feminine yeah. you're lesser but it's still a, like it's still that spectrum. Yeah. And within females, like there are some that are very outspoken and feminist, mm -hmm. um, even in the church, although they have to tame it down. And then there's the ones that fit completely perfectly in the stereotypical accepted because that's a personality. Mm -hmm. And that's a, so <laughs> if there's a spectrum within these two, why can't the spectrum be wider yeah. <laughs> than these? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, in, in so many ways, I feel as though, um, not just evangelicalism, but before evangelicalism, the, the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Calvinists, the older version of that, and then the Catholic Church before that, the Western Church has been very closed about the genders and what gender looks like. If you look at like Victorian England, for example, like they had very rigid structures of what gender should look like. And it has pushed people that don't fit into that, into either you have to try and push yourself to conform or else you have to be in the closet and find some secret way to express who you really are. 
And I've experienced just a teeny tiny bit of that because I'm I'm not a macho guy. I don't want to. You're a sensitive guy. I'm a sensitive guy, and yeah. I always have been. And I mean, I liked hunting, but I didn't like killing things. You know, and I, I liked I liked you like art. The bush and I like beauty. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyways, but that's just a drop in the bucket compared to somebody that, yeah. you know, the truest version of who they are, is not accepted no. by others. No. I, I was reading um, an article today that talked about how some beliefs are so deeply rooted in who we are that we double down on it instead of changing when presented with new facts. So let's say you learn more about, um, I can't even remember the example that they use, but about gravity. Well, you can adjust your, your thinking your belief on what gravity is, you can adjust it and absorb it and it's not a big deal to your life. But some of these beliefs like LGBTQ in the evangelical church is so rooted in who they are fundamentally. Mm -hmm. It's such a fundamental belief that for them to change it when presented with new facts is too much. Yeah. It it attacks who they are at the core. Yeah, and that's it's good way of saying who it. they are. So when they're presented with new new facts about it from science and whatnot instead of being willing to change who they are mm -hmm. because of this changing belief they double down and there's research research that shows this they double down and reinforce this belief and their view of it um and i thought that was fascinating yeah. because we are seeing that yeah for sure i mean even like i know we get back to this often but like trumpism in the states mm -hmm. like I'm sure some people at some point subconsciously have realized this is not a good guy, mm -hmm. but he represents some of their core beliefs. Yeah. So they double down on it and support him way past when they should have. And it's a way to preserve who themselves. Yeah. And I think that's that doubling down. I think there is something deeply psychological about that. When you feel threatened, you feel your core beliefs mm -hmm. are threatened. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not sh like somewhere inside of you. You're like, I think I might be wrong. But if I'm wrong, then the whole deck of cards is going to fall. Yeah, down. it changes too much. Then you go into attack mode. Yeah. And you see that online all the time. All when people the time. start losing an, an argument. Then all of a sudden they're like, well, what about you? And, and you're, you're not saying this. And they're attacking the person instead of the ideas. Right. You go into attack mode. And I think that this is where evangelicals are at with gender because it is central and we've talked about this before how sex obsessed evangelicalism oh, is huge how which is strange because when you grow up in it it feels like you never talk about sex but when you leave it it's like that's all we were focused on all the time yeah was what other people were doing with their genitals and what <laughs> you know even once they're married even once they're married <laughs> hey no masturbating no oral sex no you know like yeah you hear all i mean things. those rules were absolutely part of it do all that he wants you to do. Right. Like as Mandatory. a woman, you're supposed to do whatever he asks you. Yeah. And you're supposed to always be available for him. And you're supposed to, as a woman, like yeah. you're responsible for his sexuality. So he doesn't, you know, like it, it's still controlling people's sex. And there's a message that comes through very loud and clear. And in the interview we did with uh, Kristen Dumay, the author of Jesus and John Wayne, it talks about the origins of this, but there's a very strong message that men should be men, women should be women, and this is how we're going to save America. This is how we're going to save the church. This is how, you know, and 
and pastors like um, Mark Driscoll and John Piper. Oh, so strong. Like push forward this image of what a man is and what a woman should be. And in a previous generation, um, uh, through Gates of Splendor, Elizabeth Elliot, oh, yeah. you know, oh, was also sure. promoting a certain image of what masculinity and femininity were. And, and when that starts to get shaken, hey, you can have a guy with a high-pitched voice who loves music and has a very bubbly personality, and that's also fully male. Ma- male. <laughs> that's also fully male. Or you can yeah. have a guy who maybe is like that or maybe isn't because gay men can be all over the spectrum oh, as yeah. far as fitting stereotypes and that can be fully male yeah. that, like that can be you know like that all fits it's all made in the image of god it's all beautiful but that becomes a, a deep challenge to evangelicals where they do double down and that has become a watershed issue yeah in our time and i think that i was feeling all that pressure and um you know one way to deal with that would be to like I have all the answers so that I can answer anybody who is asking me the questions and I can prove that it's biblical. I don't have time to do that. But I realize at a certain point, I'm never going to have time to do that because this is a deep issue and I don't want to just throw something together. Um, But I feel strongly enough that because this is another, this is something I've become very convinced of is that um, not affirming LGBTQ and not affirming that you're made in the image of God, you're special, you're beautiful, no matter how you're oriented, no matter what you're attracted, who you're attracted to, no matter what version of yourself you find the truest, you're beautiful in God's image. And not affirming that message destroys people. Yeah. It absolutely destroys people to the point that many, that that people choose suicide rather than living in this and we know that suicide rates are extremely high among lgbtq youth and and so i think it's extremely important to say i don't have all the answers and i'm i've been the guy that says he has the answers to everything all the time and i'm never going to be that person again because i don't want to be that person because the world is more complicated than one person can ever claim to have all the answers to everything well that's why i claim to be an agnostic i can't I'm not going to say atheist because atheist is definite. Yeah. I know that there's no God. Hmm. I suspect there's no God, but I can't know for sure. <laughs> you know, like it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So this is kind of a big deal for me. And I, I feel really strongly about it and passionately that um, whatever orientation you land on, you're beautiful in God's image. Yeah. You're, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. Um, and pursue that um i will not and i will not say with many christians who will who think that they're affirming by saying love the sinner hate the sin that's what a lot of churches say that's not affirming it's not affirming it's it's a slight shift because say a hundred years ago um when people were reading the king james bible one of the sins quote-unquote listed in the king james version was being effeminate it was actually and now it's been translated differently as homosexual uh which even that there's debate about whether that's a good translation of that word in uh, second corinthians but evangelicals have shifted a little bit it's like okay well you can be gay you just don't you're just not allowed to practice it so you have to right. be single your whole life and don't give in to temptation and 
ideally you would change your orientation but if you can't then just stay single and in the more conservative ones they actually especially with youth that are still under their parents mm -hmm. they're, they're still binaries they go through they are sent to like conversion therapies type thing to try and change who they are or they are prayed over to cast mm -hmm. away the demons of homosexuality and stuff and it it's shocking like it's extremely damaging and there have been many many studies uh and we we had an interview with um uh last name pengeli um yes brian brian pengeli uh who spent a lot of time in that world and has researched it a lot and there's a lot of studies that say um conversion therapy is extremely damaging psychologically extremely damaging i believe and it i can understand why because as we mentioned in the previous podcast about um about lgbtq i mean our lives are based on our decisions and our decisions are based on our deepest desires and our deepest desires it is who we are yeah you know like don't ever ask me to be an accountant in an office somewhere. That's not me. You know, yeah. don't ask me to, I don't know, um, to arrange flowers all day. You know, like there's, there's that's not me. Yeah. I, I'm in a job that represents well who I am. And sexually, you know, I'm a heterosexual guy, you know, and I love being with you. It would be terrible if somebody came along and said, no, you have to live your life with a man. Like, that's not my orientation. I would find yeah. that disgusting. I would find that hurtful. I would find... And somebody says, you're not okay because you're not attracted to men. Well, how am I supposed to change that? Yeah. I can fake it. Fake it till you make it. Well, guess what? It, it didn't work. It doesn't work. work. <laughs> I'm still not attracted to men, you know? Um, that's not my orientation. And so this message that there's something wrong with you and the most fundamental desire, because sex is so fundamental to who you are, the most fundamental core of you is broken and wrong and sinful. Why would you want to live? Then? Why, why would you want to live? Yeah. And so much of life is built around when you think about it, you grow up, you find a sexual partner, you get married, you have kids, you build a family. That's the purpose of life. I mean, you don't grow up just to work, to make money for yourself. You want to create a family with somebody. And to be told you can never have that. And if you pursue that, we're going to cut off all contact with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not okay. No. That's not okay. Um, I'm not going to do that. If any friends out there, you know, are considering this, know that you have a friend in me still. Um, and I don't think that that's the way of Jesus. I don't think that... Um, I mean... The verse that comes to mind is is when Jesus healed on the Sabbath and people were like, how could he heal on the Sabbath? That's against the rules. And he's like, what is better, to save a life on the Sabbath or to kill it? Right. That's the same thing. Like it. Yeah, I, I've had a few interactions about um, LGBTQ on on Facebook the last couple of days, and it's been really interesting. Like the one... Um, said that her daughter came out as lesbian to her and she says i made sure she knew that she was going to hell and oh. that i do not condone her like i do not approve of her lifestyle and um but we still have a great relationship and we're still really yeah, close right. and i wrote <laughs> i responded like you may feel like you have a good relationship with her but you're not a safe person for her yeah and there's something she will never tell you and 
um, someday when she has kids, they will not, she won't she won't consider you a safe person for them because mm-hmm. you, she doesn't know what you'll t- tell them behind her back yeah. about her choice of lifestyle, her orientation. Yeah. Um, and she responded like, "You don't know what you're talking about." I'm like, "Um, you're assuming I don't know what I'm talking about." I do know what, like, I know what it's like to grow up with a very outspoken, opinionated, strongly minded, opinions will not change person, mm-hmm. parent. And when you grow up with that, you find a way to hide part of who yes, you are yeah. so that you only show the part that they will approve of. Mm-hmm. So she can say she has a good relationship with her, but she is not a safe person for her daughter. And she, <laughs> like, just mocked me. And I'm like, whatever, like, you're not a safe person mm-hmm. and someone else piped in it's like oh I totally agree with you I told my daughter like I will never meet her girlfriend I will never allow her in my home I will never I'm like how unloving and, <laughs> and then next and switching to a different group someone posted it's supposed to be this Baptist satire group and someone posted this group of like Uno card and they changed what's on it it's like draw 25 or support pride <laughs> And everybody's like, I guess I draw 25. I guess I draw 50. Things like that. And I commented, happy pride. And then I commented, I guess I win the game because I choose love and acceptance. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that went over well. (laughs) They were like, repent of your ways. You are such a sinner. (laughs) And then comments got turned off and thread got deleted. (laughs) 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 But... <laughs> it was just like I win the game. Sorry, I win the game. This is the <laughs> But it's just so unloving. Like they, they it's just so strong and they're like, Well, this is I choose the Bible and I'm like, But you're reading the Bible with your own cultural interpretation, with your own tinted glasses of what you want to see. And she's like, No, I'm choosing God's interpretation. Like God's word is above culture mm-hmm. and culture is worthless compared to following God. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. You're using your culture mm-hmm. to push it. You can't just in your culture. Otherwise, like this is what missionaries will did so much. It's just like send missionaries to places and change try to change the culture to make them more Christian. Um, that's just not how it works just fascinating to me to see that to see it written down by someone that's like despite culture I follow God despite culture Mm -hmm. and not even acknowledging that they are interpreting everything through their own culture and their own worldview and they claim that they don't have that but it's like you know none of us none of us are able to be completely unbiased in how we see things. We all have tinted glasses. Yeah. But if we can acknowledge it at least, that's a big step towards yeah. it. But if you can't even acknowledge that that you're trying, that you're you're reading the Bible with your own worldview behind it, then something's wrong. Like you can't you can't argue with that because they can't yeah. even see that it's their own tinted glasses, you know. And you wouldn't have to go all the way with that. I, I mean, that's one of the things they taught us even in our conservative Bible school is you do have your own interpretation mm-hmm. and you need to wrestle with that to try and get back at least to what the original readers would have read. Now, you know, you can play with that too. Well, the original yeah. readers would have agreed with me. But, I, just but at like, least you begin to understand yeah. that you have a culture. Because, you know, I when I was 18, I spent three months in Papua New Guinea mm-hmm. with a mission. Very conservative 
probably Baptist mm-hmm. mission, very conservative mission anyway. And I went to a church there that the missionaries settled. And and while it still had some of the American feel a little bit, it was, it was extremely different than the churches here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but good thing, because our churches here would not fit in their culture at all over yeah. there. So even if there's some influences, at least it's very different. Like they had upbeat music, like they it was their style. You know, mm-hmm. you'd never have that in Baptist church here in North America. Yeah. But it's like, so if you're saying that God's word is the same across the world or like the interpretation, like you're missing something because you're mis- missing some of that richness that can come from culture. Mm-hmm. And it's just how boring would it be yeah. <laughs> if all and then you even look at how there's different denominations. I mean, that's proof in itself that there's different ways to interpret yeah. the Bible. So to be so close minded in this issue of gender, I think is really it's really frustrating to me. Um, and if if I have someone close to me who is very against it and spoken about it, I don't know, like it would really affect our friendship Yeah. because I can't, I can't accept that, you know? Yeah. And, um, I mean, you're sharing a little bit of your story here of coming to grasp with being an ally. Well, for me, part of my healing this past year, um, from all my upbringing and stuff has been healing my sexuality mm-hmm. from purity culture and all these things and never being allowed to question anything and never being allowed to um, to explore. And so for me to read into LGBTQ descriptions and terminology and words, it's helped me so much to make sense of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And how great is that? Yeah. To be able to have words to describe who I am Mm -hmm. to have words to describe my sexuality Mm -hmm. to describe my orientation to describe my attraction to others to describe like it's very empowering to acknowledge that does it change the fact that I'm a woman married to a man no Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I can be more secure in myself because I understand I understand why I don't fit the stereotypical from Christianity, you know, like it, it helps me understand. I I still find it extremely hard to acknowledge that I'm on the spectrum because I feel like that's not fair to those that are way further. Like, I know it's all a spectrum, but like, you know, some people that are very visibly um, queer or, Mm -hmm. or trans or, and and their lives are affected each and every day. Mine is not Mm -hmm. because I appear extremely normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know but but i'm still affected by parts of that um spectrum (laughs) and it's still who i am yeah and the fact that i didn't acknowledge it for years it's not because i left the faith that i'm suddenly part of the spectrum it's just that i didn't know yeah i didn't know these descriptions that fit me and have always fit me I can look back to my teens and they fit me mm-hmm. and they explain so much. I mean, they explain why I was such a perfect <laughs> purity culture person mm-hmm. because I'm ace. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and, that, and let me maybe modify something you said. It's not that these categories affected you. It's that the purity culture and the restrictive teachings on gender affected you because all this time, you know, this is who you are, but what you're told is 
a perfect wife gives her husband joyfully sex, you know, whenever he desires it and and all these ideas of what it means to be a woman that doesn't fit no. most people. Yeah. It it doesn't fit most men, it doesn't fit most women. It fits a few and they probably end up being pastors and then they can teach They're everybody the that, one. you know, yeah. this is how it's supposed to be because this is how it works for me. Because I'm so satisfied in this method. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask my wife though, because she can't teach, so you can't ask her anyways. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I just think it's interesting to like, just because sometimes people leave the church and then come out. Mm-hmm. of the closet in a way and we always feel like it's a sign of the rebellion against yeah. god but it's really a sign of them finding themselves and finding healing from being told what they're supposed to feel yeah and now finally being able to put words to it yeah and express it i mean we teach our like our five-year-old has a lot of big feelings and he needs more words to describe them because otherwise <laughs> it just uses like stupid all the time or mm-hmm. these days maniac. I don't know where that Ma- came from. Maniac. Maniac. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. But it's always these words because he has such strong feelings. I'm like, yeah. I need to teach him more words to express his feelings so that he can express more like just in a better way <laughs> mm-hmm. what he feels. Well, it's the same thing with LGBTQ. Like yeah. it. Why is we call it the alphabet or like they yeah. call it alphabet maf- mafia or mafia or something. <laughs> but it's like, why are we keeping adding letters to it? It's because it gives names. Yeah. It gives words to people to help them understand who they are. Yeah. How, why, why is that so evil? Mm-hmm. And another way of putting it is why were we so restrictive in the first place? Yeah. Like, one way of seeing it is, oh, okay, there's 63 new genders or whatever the number is. I did a quick Google search before this. The, the numbers change depending who's counting. Um, and sometimes even juggles will be like, oh, you can't even make up your mind. There's so many. Well, another way of seeing that is there's 63 different ways of saying your stereotype does not apply to me. Yeah. And if you're going to be that specific about what it means to express yourself sexually, if I'm going to be that specific, I'm going to have to create a new gender because right. that doesn't yeah. that doesn't apply to me. That's a great way to put it. Like if we had just right from the start allowed people to just be who they are, yeah. then we wouldn't have all this. We so wouldn't. you might be, you know, if you're an evangelical listening to this, <laughs> you're like, I'm it's so against fault. it all. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> I, I honestly think there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> It's taking the specificity, you know, and then applying it to modern science and and what it actually means to be human and people's own experiences. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) it's it's diverse. Like you put the target on yourself. Here you go. I'm persecuted. (laughs) Something I did want to talk about before we wrap up is just this sense of how dirty um, homosexuality is made to be Mm. and just this sense and i talked a little bit about this in the previous podcast um but just this this it's sinful it's dirty it's bad um and i think something that's clicked for me is for one thing the reason why it feels so dirty and so bad and why it's taught as being so dirty and bad is because the whole world right now especially within evangelicalism but in the west in general is seen through the lens of men, straight white men. They're the ones that write the books. They're the ones, and that's shifting now, of course, in the last 
but a couple not decades, a whole lot but yet. not a whole lot <laughs> we're still in a patriarchy we're still in a world and if you read the bible it's very much written from a male perspective oh, it's all men evangelical churches are explicit about the fact that only men can teach and yeah. if you look at who's actually writing the book it's it's white american men and so if you're a straight white american man of course, homosexuality seems gross to you because you're not oriented that way. Right. Hmm. So I that kind of clicked for me. It's like, well, of course it, it feels icky if you're not oriented that way. But what if you're on the other side of that and you're actually oriented towards being attracted to men as a man? For you, that exact same ickiness is felt towards sex with a woman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, take a minute to step into somebody else's life and see the world through their lens and actually listen to them. This is what people are saying is, I'm attracted to men. This is what I desire. This is my orientation. Just believe them. Instead of saying, well, I'm not attracted that way. That sounds gross. Therefore, it is gross. Therefore, it's sinful. Turn the perspective around. You know, I like to imagine an apple. I remember a year and a half ago, one of my son cut it cut a slice out of an apple. But then he put it back in and turned it around. And that apple looked whole. But then if you looked at it from a different perspective, it was completely different. There was a big piece missing. And I think of that image so much. It's like you just sometimes just need to turn around, look the other side, Mm -hmm. walk around, see another perspective. Completely different story. Mm -hmm. And like, (sighs) I just can't get behind how sexuality is super intimate it's super personal like it's so deep like you cannot force someone to have sex that they cannot handle like Mm -hmm. that's rape Mm -hmm. you know when we why is rape look like talked about why is it rape it's because someone didn't want this yeah someone was not attracted to this person Mm -hmm. and someone did not have a choice yeah so if we're forcing a gay man to get married to a woman and have sex with her that's gross like that's mm-hmm. horrible that's kind of a version of rape yeah. <laughs> because you're forcing them to do that if they want to go to heaven yeah otherwise they will burn in hell forever mm-hmm. those are the threats yeah like, it's horrible it just breaks my heart mm-hmm. it's really really wrong it's so wrong that's why I'm coming out as an ally. That's why I'm coming out with this. Like, I just want to love people. Love is love. Mm-hmm. Just why can't, why can't we do that? And it just drives me crazy when people who claim that God died for everyone in the world and loves all the world and we want to be more like Jesus. Like, just they can't love the person in front of them. No. They can't love their own child. Yeah. Their flesh and blood. Because they don't agree with one of, because of the, with their orientation. Mm-hmm. That just flip this perspective. Look at it from the other side and mm-hmm. see how painful that is. And see why people will go and commit suicide yeah. because of this. Like, I mean, the hypocrites in Jesus' day, they chose religion over people. There and you that's, go. That's what Jesus confronted them on over and over and over. You choose your religion, you're out there in the garden counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, this one's for God. Right. And yet, when it comes to people, that widow in your church, that that orphan over there, that your own family, your own flesh and blood, 
you'll turn yourself coldly away because of your religion. Yeah. Your religion is more important than religion people. Religion over people. Over and over. We hear stories almost every day, mm-hmm. you and I, of people that are shunned or hated on by their family or not accepted or talked yeah. on because of religion beliefs. Like people probably see us maybe with reason as, oh, we're done with religion. And I yet <laughs> all these people are coming to us. These bro- And we're not, I'm, there's no sign on my forehead. There's no, there's no invitation anywhere. And this isn't telling people to stop. I'm just saying people are coming to us and saying, we're hurting because the church rejected us because of religion. Because, you know, we're LGBTQ or just because we couldn't follow the rules or because we had too much compassion for this or or we had questions that couldn't be answered that. And our whole family rejected us. Yeah. You know, even just yesterday, somebody was texting me and it was very minimalistic. But this person just asked, like, is it normal that my family hasn't reached out to me in two weeks when I said I'm struggling with depression? And it's like, well, well, I was told basically fuck off until you're done your midlife crisis i'm like if i'm if you see me struggling with life shouldn't you want to be to reach out to me you're my flesh and blood yeah you're my sister and this is what you tell me mm-hmm. how is this living and i know it's i know it's hard if you're an evangelical or if you're somebody that religion is everything you're a missionary you're a pastor there's going to be a price for yeah. you to say, I support, even if you just say, I don't agree, but I fully support that this is the right decision for him. Or, I don't understand, but I this is right for my daughter. There, You would lose your job. You would lose your friends. You would, there'd be a price. I mean, a lot of our changing beliefs. But what beliefs. is more important? The, yeah. the hurting person in front of you or your career, your, your reputation, your religion? Yeah. What is more important? Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? No, it's okay. I was cutting you off. (laughs) Just like this reason why so many of our beliefs are changing this past year, it's because we left missions. Mm -hmm. Before that, anytime one of these questions would pop into our mind, we had to shove it back. Yeah. Because we were full-time missionaries. And that was our job. And we knew that if some of these fundamental beliefs of evangelicalism shifted, we were done. Yeah. Our life was done. Mm-hmm. Our work was done. Our ministry was done. Our everything. It was mm-hmm. done. So once we step out of it and finally have freedom to truly question, all hell broke loose. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but it's like, sometimes it feels like it was hell because you're not allowed to question. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you have to live this way so you go to heaven. But it feels like hell to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, it, but there's so many people that say, I had to leave evangelicalism because I want to love people yeah and they're like I can't love people within evangelicalism no like to me one of the most accurate verses in the Bible that I just keep I keep thinking of I can't think of how to put it in into an Instagram post but it's towards the end of Jesus trial and one of the hypocrites you know that the chief of his trial says he breaks into the proceedings and he says you guys know nothing at all if we let this guy live, then the Romans are going to come. They're going to destroy our society. They're going to take away our place of worship. It's better that one man suffer than that the whole people is ruined. And then they decide to crucify Jesus. And that is the decision of religion over and over mm. and over. It's better that this person suffer 
and that the whole religion is broken. Yeah, we have to uphold our system, systematic. It's just one like person. It's, yeah. it's just over one and person. over. It's but just then one it's person. another one, yeah. and another one, and another one. And I think we need to care about the person. Yeah. And fuck the religion. Yeah. Like, so what if it gets broken? So what if we lose? Maybe we get mad and we'll lose our church. Oh well, but we'll have our people. Yeah. I really feel like evangelicalism is going down a really bad path. Yeah. And um, it has to change. It has to break down. Mm-hmm. It, it has to break apart to become truly authentic to what they claim to believe. Mm-hmm. Because right now that's not what it is. It's not, no. So love the people and love the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Um, I keep saying one more thing before I close, but there's just so much <laughs> I want to say. But, you know, we get this. I, I had a, a post about Christian apologetics and how um, so often Christian apologists compare the best part of Christianity to the worst part of other religions. Yes, that was such a good post. Oh, look, the Muslims had a jihad. But us Christians, we, we started schools and we started universities. It's like, well actually muslims have universities and we have crusades you know well even more recently in canada affecting us was residential schools yeah and that is coming out again and again and mm-hmm. again the last while it wasn't that long ago and those residential schools were trained were taught to train the indian out of the indian mm-hmm. by all means necessary basically you know mm-hmm. and those schools were run by christians yeah all of them and yet we're seeing very little repentance and very little acknowledgement none. of that. None at all. And I went really through well. Bible school and seminary without hearing any sort of no. uh, an apology for that. But oh, I heard a lot about the problems with Islam and Buddhism and... Yeah, Mus- so and we ignore all the bad that Christianity has done. And we highlight all the bad that other religions yeah. are doing. And I think that's part because evangelicals just have this mission. They have this agenda to paint the LGBT community in the worst possible light. Yeah. And so then they take the bad side and there is a, I mean, these are human beings. There's, yeah. there's sin involved. There's, I know. mean, not all heterosexual marriages are good. Exactly. Some of them are extremely abusive. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to find similar dynamics in yeah. any circle. Yeah. So LGBTQ will have abusive relationships yeah. as well. And it's not because they're gay or no. lesbian no. or trans. It's because they're people. And there's, you know, people will come up with statistics. And, and Brian Pengelly said, you know, really watch out for evangelicals and their statistics about homosexuals because hmm. he, has, he has researched these things. It, was, it used to be his job to research these things to try and prove a point. He says you just really have to watch out because they'll go to prisons, for example, do a survey and say, well, this is how ah. this is how homosexuals are. Here's the, you know, they have, you know, 500 re- relationships in a year or something. It's like, well, <laughs> in prison, maybe. <laughs> um, Some straight people have that. So, <laughs> and, and that's the other thing is, are you going to a bar and yes. doing a survey of the guys there? Because... <laughs> Yeah. Maybe not 500, that might be more. But serial relationships exist in heterosexual relationships. Yeah. They exist in gay relationships. Exactly. You can have abusive marriages, you can have abusive gay marriages. Yeah. But you can also, and maybe this is the most important thing to say, is you can have healthy relationships yeah. that are gay. Yeah. You can have healthy relationships that are queer and that are lesbian and that are all the things. 
And we need to put that message out there to give people a glimmer of hope. And there are churches that are affirming and there are yeah. communities that will support you. And if your own family, if your own flesh and blood turns against you, I believe that there is a way to find an authentic spiritual uh, expression and, and a community that's going to love you. It's it's not going to be with the people that are rejecting you, but there are, there are places that will that will show you the love that you deserve. Yeah. And if I ever someday reattempt a church, it would have to be would in an affirming be. community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm starting to feel the pull to, I would like, I've got my vaccine now, uh, the pandemic's almost over, I would like to find a church. I miss that. But it's got to be affirming. And that to me just speaks of so many other things. It's like... Well, that's the thing. I... I he, I've heard from others as well. If you can find an affirming church, you will find a church that's much more like Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, like I, I bet you if the church is affirming right away, I would assume, well, I bet you that they don't believe in global warming. I bet you that they're not. They trust science. That they trust science. And they don't they're, degrade women. They're not degrade. <laughs> they probably are open to women teaching, you know. Yes. Being on the same level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They probably aren't into purity culture, like probably all the things, right? So. I've heard some of the best sex ed, sex ed programs out there are are put by churches that um, in the states that are Unitarian, uh, Universalist Unitarian, or or United. Um, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which one, but I've like heard I've heard they have about the, the best. Church. It's a Unitarian, like any. It's not a specific denomination or anything. It's just okay. o- very open and to whoever's spirituality, like mm-hmm. um, probably more open than you. Mm-hmm. would want but i love that that idea that any spirituality that you see in yourself christian or not mm-hmm. is welcome in that church and we're just gonna be a big family and we're gonna love each other and support each other and apparently they have one of the best sex ed courses for kids mm. and i'm like that's beautiful yeah like let's teach kids consent let's yes. teach kids to find someone who will respect them mm-hmm. and love them no matter what their gender is yeah. But that will care for them and truly be a good person to them, mm-hmm. like a good partner. And let's expose kids to other ways of being. Yeah. Instead of only, and I used to be so opposed to this because I used to think that gayness could kind of like rub off on people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer think that's how it works. You saw it in a movie. Oh no, my kid is not gay. Yeah. I don't think that's how it works. I've heard, I mean, I've heard, I've heard my daughter play with our son, like mm-hmm. the seven and five-year-old she heard it at school about how some families have two moms and some families mm-hmm. have two dads and it was no big deal to her yeah. she was like oh, okay yeah that's just how it is yeah. and then her and her brother were playing and she's like i'll be the mom and he's like but i don't want to be a dad all right well you can be the mom too all right so they just, yeah it was no big deal yeah it's like we teach our kids the slant we want them to have yeah. and you know if it sticks it sticks and if it doesn't it doesn't and and you can figure it out and we'll affirm you along the way instead of having this closet experience and, exactly. and feeling like if I come out of the closet my parents will reject me and kick me out of the house and yeah. I'll be disowned and yeah. um, but we need to affirm that and show kids that there is such a thing as healthy relationships because there are healthy relationships and we know people that beautiful beautiful relationships and, and they've been 10 years 20 years together and they have kids and all the things and it's beautiful and, and they're gay or lesbian and they're gay or lesbian yeah. you know it's just it's just this message that evangelicals create and project that yeah oh all gays are represented by you know this or that 
Well, I think we could go on forever, but I think we should wrap this one up. <laughs> Do we have kids? I think. Maybe I think they're should. watching a movie. Yeah. It's a movie with LGBTQ. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many of those. I hope so. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you can't watch any of the Disney ones if you're evangelical. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to our LGBTQ and happy Pride, everyone. <laughs>